Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast. Mentioned Lions and Vikings. Lions 30, Vikings 24. Lions move to 11 and 4. A little to uh, to break down atop the NFC there because there's now three teams sitting at 11 and 4. Uh, but a huge win for the Lions. Nick Mullins for the Vikings. Four interceptions, including the game clincher. <laughs> which um, was not great. Uh, seven total turnover-worthy plays. Seven. For Mullins. We need, to, hey, we, we need to keep track of like what the single-game records are for things like that. How close is seven turnover-worthy plays to a record? The game that comes to mind is Josh Freeman on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, was, he with the, was that the Giants? It was with the Vikings, wasn't it? Was he a Viking? He or a it was against with, the Giants. He had a game with the Vikings where he showed up and then just imploded. It was Josh Freeman off the couch and... Um, you know, off the couch can go any any which way. We see Joe, maybe even more impressive that Joe Flacco is doing what he's doing. It's a wide range of outcomes when you're fresh off the couch. Josh Freeman with the expected off the couch outcome, which may have been a nine or so turnover worthy play effort. John Skelton most certainly has something in there. There's no way John Skelton ever put together a seven turnover worthy play game before getting benched. Yeah, like you'd get yanked before yeah, that. Yeah, he, he never had the rope to get to get through seven. I mean, poor Peyton had one of those. He might have had six in a game because he could barely even, you know, step on his quad or whatever it was and kept trying to throw the ball outside the numbers against the Chiefs. That was rough. Um, anyway, in this particular game, uh, this is an important one for the Lions, obviously. Uh, that matchup against Brian Flores, we talked about how important that was. I got some numbers on Goff against the Blitz and how he handled it, but I thought they... Only three for that Giants game for Freeman against the Oh, Giants he just missed every for throw. the Vikings. Yes, he had a grade of 30. That's what it was. He just missed every three. He just yeah. missed everything by a mile. 3.6 yards per attempt. Um, anyway, I want to... <laughs> 20 of 53. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this Lions-Vikings game, however, hmm. if you want to do that, and then I'll circle back yeah. with um, how they how they tore up the Vikings' blood I mean, and some numbers around that. That number is, is a big part of my thoughts of this game. I mean, Nick Mullins, just an absolute meltdown of ridiculous turnovers. Like... I, I don't know what you do now as a head coach where obviously you lose the starter, you have to turn to some form of backup, and all of these guys are flawed in some way, shape, or form. And I tweeted something like over the weekend, there have never been more quarterbacks in the league who can come in and win you a couple of games and look okay for a brief period of time. Um, but the number that can do it for longer than that, like for 10 games for a season, might just be the same it's always been. Right, so you can get a Jake Browning, and you can get two or three games where Jake Browning looks amazing. And then Jake Browning goes back to being Jake Browning, and it's like, okay, that was that. Next. Like, I don't know if you just cycle through these guys and hope you get the three games, and then, like, the art is in discovering when the meltdown is about to come. You, like, you jump away from Josh Dobbs just in time to get a couple of good Nick Mullins games, and then before this game, you go, no, this is Jaron Hall's start this week. We used to play that game. Remember Ryan Fitzpatrick? But I don't know if you can predict them. I think you just it's rolling the dice every time you send one of these guys out. Like, are we going to get the game where he does a pretty good job, it's maybe one or two you know, rough plays in there because he's Nick Mullins, or are you going to get the game where it looks like he cannot avoid throwing a turnover? Like... I, there's nothing I can call where he's not just going to go, like, close his eyes, blindly heave a duck into the middle of the defense and turn a turnover into something that shouldn't have existed. Like, I don't know if you have any control over that, if you're just at the mercy of when that's going to show up. But that showed up in this game where, for all the good Nick Mullins does, and there is some, like, he can move the ball, he can, you know, 
make some passes. He can diagnose the defense. He can, like, there was some positive in there. But all of it was undone, and then some, by not being able to go more than, like, a drive and a half before throwing the ball to Detroit. Yeah, I was going to say, if you take out the seven turnover-worthy plays, yeah. there was a lot of good in there. I mean, again, I think I think you also see just the impact of Justin Jefferson. No matter who the quarterback is, that dude's open. And oh, dude, he did it again. That 141 yards. Third and 27 play yeah. was like the fourth and 18 play against the Bills, where it's like they just threw it up. Jefferson's down there. I know it's double coverage, but what the hell, that's still our best option. And he comes down with it for the, the second time. And then that last, the last, the last interception, the last turnover-worthy play, that was a pass that was there to be made. Like, I... That was, I don't know how, what happened to that, but it just came out like an absolute dead duck and was off by 10 yards. You like, know, if he actually put it where he was trying to put it, that might have hit it. You know me, a big uh, context, weather guy, and, and the whole thing. Mm. And I'm always looking for you know, Like Mahomes threw some passes yesterday where you're like, man, it was windy yesterday. I can kind of see how maybe he missed a bunch. This was a dome yes. in a clean pocket. And a pass that looked like it was thrown in gale force winds. It looked like, yes. Like there was, maybe the Lions have, uh, you never saw the movie Angels in the Outfield from the mid-90s. No. Where they would just, you know, the Angels would fly through and like take the ball and put it over the fence. It, I mean, it was like forces took this ball and were like, this is just going to slow down and wobble. I mean, it was just a bad throw. It was a very bad throw by Nick Mullins. It was awful. He was staring it down too. But my point being... We're more than halfway through the NFL season. DraftKings Sportsbook still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Bet on anything, five bucks. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener, a sweetener offer every single game this October. You can get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code PFF. So you can go check out Monday Night Football tonight. You got Niners. You got the Vikings, you can go do it right now. If you're a new customer, you can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ont. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.com. Sorry, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football. Terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. I think that was a throw to be made. Like that was like less than a minute left, fourth quarter. They need the touchdown. Um, and that was like, there was a space. There was a hole and an open Justin Jefferson for that throw to be made. And then it was just one of the worst throws anybody's ever thrown without – it wasn't off-platform. Like, he'd gotten through the pocket at that point. He had oh, his yeah. feet under him. It wasn't one of those ones where, oh, there's the limit – the physical limitations of Nick Mullins are showing up, right? He was off-platform. It had to be all-arm. He just doesn't have Josh Allen arm. No, like that – that was a throw you expect Nick Mullins to be able to make, and he wasn't even close on it. 
Um, I want to highlight on the other side, Detroit. Uh, Mel Fonwu, by the way, with that game-clinching interception. Huge win for the Lions. In addition to, like, he haven't he had, he's turned into one of the most dynamic pass rushers in the NFL in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, they need it. <laughs> they need it. The, uh, the Lions, two sacks for Mel Fonwu as well. So he had all the stats. Did he win uh, NFC Player of the Week? He almost certainly will, right? Did, are those real sacks or are they just our sacks? I don't know. Um, anyway, the... The Lions, we, we talked a lot about what, what they were going to do against Flores' defense. The Flores change of pace, you know, three-man rush and blitz and everything. Early on, the Vikings were blitzing, and they didn't really stop. And I thought that the Lions had a lot of answers. Again, I, we don't get a whole lot of stuff right here on the show. At least I didn't this week. I think I only got four games right. One thing I may have gotten right, though, is that Amonra St. Brown uh, in the Lions, they have great answers yeah. to the blitz. So it felt like the... It felt like Ben Johnson and the Lions offense had identified like the soft area of this Vikings defense. So what we were talking about that they do, you know, they crowd the line of scrimmage and then they either send six or more guys or they drop everybody out, right? But one of the other elements, one of the other unique characteristics of this defense is they have the shallowest average depth of linebacker of any team in the NFL. So all of that stacking the line of scrimmage even when they drop out there's a limit to how deep those guys can get because they're coming from the line of scrimmage they're not starting you know five yards back so there you there's this very obvious like no man's land in this vikings defense between wherever that first layer gets to and the back end of the safeties the, the three safeties in the corners and stuff right and it felt like the lions were able to run stuff just into that space so they would run a bunch of vertical routes to just clear to keep the safeties back and then they would run something that broke at that middle level and they they just hit that over and over again and as long as they could get the ball out quickly enough they just they kept targeting that soft spot in the in the defense yeah it's it's a fun little cat and mouse game sam and we're going to see that in a couple of weeks again they'll have a rematch in week 18 but the, here's the final numbers Goff against the blitz and they blitzed on 26 of i think it was 42 or 43 dropbacks so we're, we're in the 60 percent range of bringing five plus um golf against the blitz finished 22 of 26 for 183 and uh an 85 pff grade and amonra st brown just against the blitz 10 catches for 70 yards in six first downs so he was the guy that they kept hitting um against no blitz that's when i mean that's when the the vikings had uh, far more success against golf golf was only eight for 14 74 yards um, so, th again, that'll be very interesting to see what they do in a couple weeks here. Um, love that matchup. Lions win this one. Here's what we have now. The 49ers on the back of their loss. 49ers, Eagles, and Lions are all 11-4, the 1-2-3 and three seeds in the NFC. The, unless the Cowboys leapfrog the Eagles, they're almost certainly going to be the top three seeds in, in some order. Um, Lions play the Cowboys next week. But... They're all 11-4, and four, and the, the Niners have the tiebreaker based off uh, – they have the head-to-head. -head. The Niners have the head-to-head -head over the Eagles, but I think breaking a three-way tie starts with conference wins or something like that. So the Niners are five – uh, there's nine and one in the conference. So they've got the tiebreaker over the Eagles, and the Eagles have the tiebreaker over the Lions due to strength of victory, which is a number as well. So anyway, there's a lot to still play here, and the Lions technically have a path to a bye mm. to the number one seed. And the Lions have clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, in the cl and clinched, clinched the division for the, the division. first time since 1993. Yeah, I, was, I usually, again, I poo-poo the 
clinched the playoff spot, but this is celebratory times well, here they have, in Detroit. They've never won the NFC North before. That's correct. Like the last time they won this division, it was the Central. The last time they won this division was early Barry Sanders' career. So not even like, you know, late into the career when things had gone wrong. And, you know, this was like early Barry Sanders was the last time they actually won the division. So, yeah, I mean, you know, wherever this goes from here, the Lions have achieved something under Dan Campbell that is is a remarkable turnaround from, you know, the ultimate like nadir of winless seasons. 2008, you know, 0-16. I mean, the Lions were the worst team in the NFL for a period. And now they are not just a playoff team, but a division winner for the first time since, you know, Barry Sanders is held up as this watershed moment of when the Lions went wrong, right? They had this all-time great talent, and then they repeated it later with Calvin Johnson or maybe Matthew Stafford or whatever. But Barry Sanders is like, they had this all-world talent. They were a playoff team. They won divisions. They were young. And then they sort of systematically dismantled that team around him to the point where Barry Sanders said, enough of this crap, I'm quitting, and just walked out of the game. Like, and honestly, and you look at that and that you kind know of- that wasn't necessarily the reason though. It kind of was though. It just was done. Yeah, just but, watch like, the documentary. He's like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, but a big reason he didn't want to do it anymore is because the Lions were cheeks. <laughs> that was a big motivating factor of why he no longer wanted to play the game. Um, but the point being, that kind of started this spiral into the Lions being terrible for a long period of time. And they've been able to, Dan Campbell uh, has been able to preside over a true exorcism of that negative baggage. So impressive, man. What, what Dan Campbell has done, um, just what they've done top to bottom with the Lions. So kudos to the Lions. Congrats on winning the division. And there might be more to come. They're battling for seeding and they're battling for a potential buy here. That's all in play over these next couple weeks for the Detroit Lions.